Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Definitely Not Evil Labs, a game company comprised of high-caliber nerds that design innovative games to influence the gaming world. Last year, they successfully funded their party game, Swituations, on Kickstarter. Representing the company today will be Sarah Webb. Sarah, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Great. Thanks, James. Well, it's good to have you. Now, when I, I, I hear a name like Definitely Not Evil Labs, <laughs> the first thing I think is these guys have got to be evil. <laughs> you can only say you're not definitely not evil unless you're evil. So how did that name come about? What, what was the genesis behind this? Oh, my goodness. So we all got together in our meeting and we were trying to come up with a good name for a board game company, a publishing company. And we didn't want to use like all the old tired out, like, you know, maybe we were like, let's use something local. Like there's a lot of Red Rocks here. Maybe we'll be like Red Rock Publishing, but there's already like local groups like that. Sure. And so we were like, okay, let's, let's figure out what our main like adjectives that describe us as people. And we're going through and we always make jokes about how one of the guys in our group is definitely not evil. Like he's... (laughs) Definitely not. So we wrote it up as a joke. And then like at the end of the brainstorming session, that that just was the one everyone was like, okay, we have to go with that. Like, that's amazing. We got to do it. So start out as a joke and <laughs> ended up being what we chose. Oh, I love it. And then you can shorten it obviously as DNE, which makes it easy mm-hmm. to, uh, for any kind of tags and so forth you're doing. So now when you see the team, there's a large team behind this, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of us. <laughs> so I think I last counted, at least looking at the picture, I was trying to count all the heads. It looked like there's about eight or nine people. Um, so how did this team come together? Like that's a large, like core team. Like usually most people <laughs> will set a team up. will have like little extensions of a smaller group, but to have that many core members of a team is, uh, is, is quite significant. So how did this come about? Yeah. So we, um, so half of us worked at the local game store and we all got to know each other really well. Um, and there, it was always in the talks to go from working at the game store to making games to publishing games, uh, because the guys that worked there dealt a lot with different publishing companies, different distribution. And they're like, we want to do something different. We just got to figure out how to get to that point. And then from there, it, they just kind of asked a few of us that they thought would be really, really good for this group. Also a bunch of friends. So it's always fun to make group games together with friends. Sure. So then how did you, how do you like kind of coordinate the efforts? So, you know, obviously you're going to have, you know, the team, is there someone that leads the team is, and then how does kind of the, um, how do you kind of allocate who does what and which skill sets and so forth? How did you guys do that? Yeah. So we kind of, uh, we decided we didn't want any like typical, um, you know, CEO and, you know, managers, things like that. We just all wanted to work on it together. But we kind of self-elected Ben as our CEO. Okay. <laughs> he kind of keeps us all on track. Um, we use WhatsApp and Discord to schedule things and to talk in different groups. Um, Discord has like been the biggest help for this whole like COVID everything going on. Um, but yeah, we we meet. So we actually separate into separate groups. So um, the Swituations team, there was, I think there's three of us that were majorly working on Swituations. Um, and then we use different people for their different skill sets. And then for other games, you know, we have different groups of people that work on each individual thing. So it's a big team, but we're like a bunch of little teams all in one. So let's talk a little bit about situations. Um, so you ran this Kickstarter, this is your second kick at this Kickstarter, I guess, was it? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. 
And uh, so the first one I believe was in at the end of 2018. This then you guys mm-hmm. went at it again. We'll talk about that in a few moments as well. In 2019, um, you end up with 136 backers, raised just over 7,000 US. And um, I guess it's now been printed and is ready to kind of go out the door. Is that the case? Yes. Yes. So um, it's shipping out from overseas October 2nd. And from there, we're estimated about a month. And then we'll be able to get the fulfillment done. And then any of the other um, just shipping it out to stores that might want it. Or, you know, we'll have a couple extra copies to, to distribute as well. Sure. Now th- describe this game. When I looked at it and, you know, watched some of the playthrough videos, I, I thought um, a little bit, it's got some flavors of cards against humanity, but it's got a different mechanic. Can you kind of explain that to people? How that, how, how's the game actually work? Yeah. So it uses the same kind of mechanic as cards against humanity, apples to apples, this, the whole um, show a card and respond to a card. And so with situations, we wanted to kind of do something different. Um, a lot of us uh, have, outplayed our cards against humanity <laughs> you know you get kind of bored of it after a while you get your inside jokes that kind of get stale so we were like we want to do something similar um i wanted something that was a little less crude and so with situations the idea is you have a stack of cards that something has been overheard or said or you've seen it written down somewhere in a situation um so for example on the on the screen you have the whispered tenderly in the ear of a lover and you know that always could be like you know, let's go home early tonight and, you know, something similar to that. And then other people will play cards to respond to that in different um, fashions. So we do have um, like a failed Valentine's card written on the failed Valentine's card being like, let's go home early tonight. Probably not a failed Valentine's card, but um, so yeah, the situation, so situations takes a card, the person who's it writes something that was heard in that situation or something that was said in that. And while they're writing, everybody else is going to replace it. So you're basically taking something out of context. Um, And with the whiteboard, we wanted to keep it that way so that the game is never the same. Um, There's always inside jokes that kind of develop, um, but never cards that are constantly being used for the same cards as response. Got it. And that makes sense. I mean, the one thing that I've personally encountered with these types of games is they do wear out over time, right? You, you start getting the mm-hmm. same cards, the same answers. You're like, okay, we know what the answer is going to be. But in a case like this, where you're, for lack of a better word, switching it up and changing <laughs> um, that response is based on what the person writes, right? Then that replaces the, I guess, the, the answer. And then they vote based on what kind of fits with that. So that has unlimited possibilities, I guess, into mm-hmm. how this game is going to play out. Another thing I thought was really cool was the fact that on the actual box, you have the whiteboard is actually on the lid of the box. Yes. And the design that we have on our Kickstarter is not the uh, final box design. It's a, it's a little bit different, but yeah, we wanted to keep the whiteboard as a component of the box. Um, some Because in some games, when you have extra components, they'll get lost um, or you can't find them or they start to break down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, that's um, the extra components we wanted to add to this, to the game. Yeah. The new artwork definitely looks, uh, looks really nice, vibrant, colorful uh, for the people who are watching live. You can see it on screen. Um, for anybody that's listening, I encourage you to go to the Kickstarter page. And then if you want to see the most recent, just go to the, uh, the latest update. The latest update has all the new artwork so you can see what it looks like. How many cards uh, are in this box? 
So our base game has 200. I guess that's a good thing to point out with our box that we printed as well. So the big base game is 200 cards. Um, they're all mostly clean. We have a couple, we call them our like red cards, but they are sure. things that aren't necessarily crude, but what you write for them might be taken in an inappropriate way. Sure. Um, but we wanted to leave room in the box for expansions or extra cards, uh, write your own cards, things like that, um, without having to buy a bigger box later to fit them all. So oh, our box is a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit bigger than uh, it it's necessary for the cards, but we wanted to kind of allow that option for a game like this. Well, that's cool. And I know like, I mean, it, any game, I guess it depends on who's playing it, right? As whether it goes kind of down the, uh, the, the dirty route or not, <laughs> that's all kind of in the, uh, you know, the eye of the beholder. Um, definitely cool. And then is there like a, do you provide like the marker and like the thing to wipe the, the lid or is that something the user has to provide themselves or how does that work? Yeah. So we include a marker. Um, what we looked at with distribution was the markers with the eraser caps on them. Oh, cool. Um, which I mean, those are, they kind of wear out after a while. So we're hoping to hope like to upgrade to nicer markers um, when when we can afford it. But <laughs> yeah, I think for now like, that option, that way everything's included. You just have the cards, the pen and the box. And when you guys did your production, did you produce enough uh, for extra copies? Like, so if you want to do uh, retail or things like that, or like what kind of minimum were you guys, for lack of a better word, locked into when you uh, did your production? Yeah, so we we started with just a small production run um, because as you could see on our Kickstarter, we had 136 backers and the minimum order that we could do was 1500 games. Okay. Um, but at the price we got for those, it wasn't too much of a problem to do <laughs> that many. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we do have some extras for, for retail. And is the intent to go uh, like through uh, different... Um... Uh, conventions or through Amazon or, or like what's the kind of the, the plan for you guys to kind of move through some of this other stock? Yeah. So we'd like to offer it on our website um, for sale. Uh, we have a page for it, but it's not, uh, we have to update our security certificates first, but we have a page so that people can order it there. And then we're also going to try and go through distribution. I believe that we're in talks with a ACD distribution? Not okay. really sure, but <laughs> um, and then I know uh, conventions are a great place. I talked to Molly Zeff. Um, she does this road trip thing where she will drive around to different retail stores and just you know give them demos, like try the game out, see if they'd like any. Um, so hopefully, if COVID gets a little less scary, I'd love to do something like that as well. It's certainly thrown a wrench into I think. Uh most people's plans, right? Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Retail is, uh, has been greatly impacted. And I think a lot of people are kind of scrambling to say, you know, how, you know, how do we navigate kind of this new reality, which could curious for the next year or two. Right. So it's, uh, you know, I think in a case where if you can get that extra inventory at a, a marginally increased cost, I think that that's cool. Cause a, you're not, mm -hmm. uh, you don't have a ton of cash, uh, you know, locked into that inventory. I know with you guys doing your own fulfillment as well, there would be a lot of savings there as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it helps that most of our, like probably 60% of our backers are local. So okay. it'll be oh, cool. easier and cheaper to ship it out to them. So. And throw some local tournaments maybe or some, some things like that yeah. as well right, to promote it. Now you guys <laughs> oh, actually yeah. had, talk about local, that one of the pledges was a trip uh, yes. to come play <laughs> with you guys in Utah. So how did that come about? Whose idea was it to, to do a trip? Oh, it was kind of one of those um, 
you know, it's like there's this, always those Kickstarters that have like a crazy pledge level that's just insane. You know, like no one's actually going to back it. But if someone yeah. does, it'll be awesome. And we actually made some friends. Um, oh, it was a convention. It was at Shy Tag. Brett and Ben had gone. They shared a table with this group called Fuzzy Logic. They're an yeah. escape room out of, based out of Chicago. And we had accidentally left a game behind on the convention floor. And they had seen it and they picked it up. And they sent us emails and we, you know, we'd talked to them. So we became pretty good friends with them. So when we launched our Kickstarter, they, they asked us, you know, a couple questions about it. And they're like, we want to back you at that level. And I was like, cause our first Kickstarter had it as well. And we're like, that's, that's insane. Like you really do. <laughs> so when we launched the second time, um, they backed it and they came and hung out. We took them around Zion national park, played the game. It was, it was real fun. <laughs> I loved it. Wow. And then, so let's talk about like the two different campaigns. Cause we had, um, you know, if I, I, if I look at kind of the funding, the funding level is roughly the same between two campaigns. One had obviously a lot more backers from what I can see, kind of digging into the, uh, the campaign. Most of the difference in increased backers was at the base level, which is great. So it shows people, mm -hmm. more people actually pledging your, your base game. What would you say were some of the, the learnings you had from the first time you guys, uh, did your campaign that, informed how you approached it a year later? Yeah, so I know a lot of it was we didn't have enough um, social media push. We didn't have enough like knowledge about our game before we launched. And that was hard because no one wants to back a project they've never heard about from a group they've never heard about. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of risky. Um, and so the first time we went, we, we didn't calculate the costs properly. So we definitely thought it was gonna be a lot more to produce the game than expected. And so the second time around, you know, we could reevaluate, figure out that we really didn't need as much as we thought we did. Yeah. And also, I mean, just getting more of that, that knowledge, you know, that push out, getting the email campaigns, the social media followings, things like that always help. Yeah. The, um, I mean, I, I saw like, I guess in the first campaign, I think your uh, target was something like 30,000, I think was the, or 36,000, somewhere around there in the first yeah. campaign and second campaign, I think it was closer to the, to the 7,000 mark. And that's mm -hmm. something that we see a lot in uh, in different Kickstarter campaigns when it's not that the, there's not interest in, in the campaign or that people are interested in the game. Sometimes just setting that initial uh, target too high can be the difference between making it or not, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen several campaigns like that where, you know, they've got a huge following, everyone's ready to go. They don't quite make their target because they set the target too high. They come back at it again, lower the target to something they know that they can hit. And, uh, they end up uh, getting their goal and they're able to get their game funded. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to, to see that What's some of the social media things that you guys did, like, they, was there any approaches you took that were, that you had to try to get creative and how you approached it to, you know, obviously keep budgets low and so forth, uh, when you're promoting your game. Yeah. So we, so I do a lot of, um, I, I can't really call it graphic design. I don't do a lot of graphic design, but I have some Photoshop skills so I can do some sure. minimal stuff for our, our advertising. So that helps to reduce the cost because we don't have to pay anyone to, to make those graphics for us. And then also um, the Facebook ads, like I tell everyone it's worth it. You know, it's worth it to pay. You know, I think we ended up paying like $20 each campaign and we got tons of clicks and tons of emails from them. And it's, it's just worth it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely get the word out for that. Um, we did a giveaway this last time, um, just right towards the end of our campaign. We did a board game giveaway. 
uh, basically they just had to like our page, share the post, get some word out, um, tag a friend if they wanted, you know, extra entries, stuff like that. Sure. And, and yeah, that was, that was like a small cost to us, but a huge benefit for our campaign. Did you use any software for that to, to manage that contest? Like, did you, was it using like Gleam or one of these, like, how did you track like the, the cross tags and cross promotions that people did? Oh yeah. So we just did on Facebook. So it made it easier to check everything there. Yep. Um, I can't remember exactly what I, Gleam sounds familiar. I'm not sure exactly what it is that we used, um, but I went through and it showed us all of the different interactions. You could filter out like, I just want to see likes. I just want to see comments. I just want to see shares. Um, that gave us kind of a good idea of, you know, who's doing what. And then you basically just have to enter it all in and then it spins the wheel and selects a name. It was pretty, pretty straightforward. And with, with you guys, with a, a, a team of eight people, again, which is a large group, you're going to have different skill sets coming in. You know, you obviously have design, mm-hmm. there's, you know, logistics and so forth. Was there anything in the mix that you guys found across the the team that you just didn't have that knowledge base and you had to go <laughs> and find out for yourselves? Yes, there's actually a lot. Um, so we do have a couple entrepreneurs in our group. So it was nice to know some people who have already tried to start businesses before and have successfully started businesses. Um, but there was a lot of like the marketing, none of us knew how to market. So a lot of that was just Googling and researching. Um, and then we also had a lot of, um, just like the, the setup of the business, you know, how, how we should all look at each other's, you know, cause we're all owners, we're all equals, but we needed some kind of structure for that as yeah. well. Yeah. Something as so. simple as the bank account, right? Like whose name goes on the bank account. Yeah. You know, Kickstarter, yeah. they want names, right? They want addresses, you know, so who's, you know, who, who becomes the lead, the lead in that regard. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and then how does it, how did you guys kind of reel everybody in? So, you know, if you had a smaller core team that was working on, on situations, did you guys have a process you set up kind of on the fly to do kind of the checks and balances to maybe, I mean, 200 cards is that that's a lot of sayings and situa- situations that you're coming <laughs> up with. Right. So how did you guys manage that process of you know, the writing and the editing and kind of bringing all that together? So it's actually really funny because the, um, so I had the idea for situations and I told Aaron, he's one of the guys in the company. I was like, Hey, do you think this would work as a game? If we like made cards or something? And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. And the next day he texted me and he's like, me and Brennan have 400 cards. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> you guys got excited about that. So from there, I mean, we just, you know, it's just play testing, figuring out which cards don't really hit as well and which cards are like great, but you know, we don't want too many of the same style. We have this joke. A lot of the cards have something to do with grandma. So it's, you know, said at grandma's birthday party, grandma's tombstone, grandma's last words. Um, and there's a lot of, we didn't want to include too many of those grandma cards, you know, sure. we didn't want people to be like, okay, what, what is with these people and their grandmas? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's just a lot of pulling down and we still have, we have the original 400 plus cards that we'd come up with on just index note, like index cards. Yep. And then we went down to 300 and we have those on the little punch out business cards you can print on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it took a while to kind of cool it down. And then we ran through, six or so we just had all of us um look at the cards and try and find any spelling errors we could and we've done that like so many times and we still miss so many um even our artist found some we got a new artist for the the new game that we have the new edition of it 
And he was like, I think you have some misspelled things in here. <laughs> and I was like, no way, we checked it so many times. So yeah, it, just running through all those processes, you know, it takes a while, but it's not too hard if you just, you know, bug everyone to do it at different points. Yeah, you can become copy blind pretty quick. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, and I mean, I encourage anybody that's this, whether it's instruction sheets or whatever, send it around to different people and have them read it and say, you know, say to them, don't just read this. I want you to look for errors, please help me find errors. Mm -hmm. I know, or even say, I know there's an error in here. Let me know if you can find it. <laughs> yeah, that's <Right>? smart. <laughs> because then they're actually going to look because there's been times when I've, I've had pieces that I circulate and you'll have like eight people sign off, say, yeah, yeah, it's great. Because they're assuming the other seven people looked at it mm -hmm. in depth, right? And if you have eight people all doing that, now you've got something riddled with errors. And I've even seen cases where you have people that are like professional editors, uh, you know, miss, miss typos, right? So it's very, very easy. Mm -hmm. It's very important to, uh, to share it around. Um, what's some advice you would have for other people that are uh, doing Kickstarters of their own based on your experience? Um, you know, everyone always says like, do your research before you run a Kickstarter. And it's like super underrated. Like I thought I did my research for the first Kickstarter yeah. and I definitely didn't do nearly enough. Um, and like with all of the people in the industry that are so helpful and they have all of these different websites that have like all this free access to knowledge, yeah. um, definitely like I'd say, you know, do your research and then start telling people about it, start getting it out on social media, you know, nine months to a year before you plan to kick, you know, get that, get people to know about it so that when they do see it on Kickstarter, they do see the, you know, Hey, we're, we're launching. This is our launch date. They're like, Oh, I know that. How do I? Like, I want, I want to check it out. So definitely it's that whole getting it out there. How long did it take you guys to create this game from when you started to when you finally had it ready to go on Kickstarter? Like, what was that incubation period? Um, not very long, actually. That it, The game is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. And so sure. we didn't have a lot of rules we had to come up with. And, um, you know, with the heavier games, you have different interactions with the rules that you have to really, you know, fine tune to get in. And since ours is really you know, play a card, vote for the cards, get so many points. It took us probably about two months to get it from start to finish, except for culling down the cards. I think the last couple months was all just trying to get to the cards we liked the best. Um, but otherwise, like the game, the game went pretty smoothly on that. <laughs> we were lucky. <laughs> now, is there going to be an expansion? Like I know you've left room in the box. Is the, when you do come with an expansion, is that going to be through Kickstarter or how are you guys going to approach that? Yeah, it just depends. Um, it depends on local interest and everything. Uh, we'll probably approach it with Kickstarter. I don't really see why not. <laughs> I love Kickstarter um, yeah. and I've spent too much money on Kickstarter. So, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think um, with the expansions, we'll try and get different knowledge. We'll probably do like three at a time uh, to okay. start sort of like the uh, super fight, how they have the okay. different types of expansions. So we'll, we'll see, it just all depends. Let's see how it goes. What's some advice you would give to your future self for your next campaign based on what you know now? Oh my goodness. Um, definitely talk to people. Like, yeah, definitely talk to people. I played uh, situations with a couple different groups and I, you know, realized after what the game finished, I'm like, well, what if we changed this? Or what if we changed that? And it's things I didn't think about until, you know, it's too late. It's too late to change anything. And I was like, oh, I mean, I'm probably overthinking it, but <laughs> definitely with the next game, um, it's one of those things that I, I want to play it with a lot of different people and get a lot of different opinions. Yeah. And that's a challenge, especially when you have COVID, right. And it's very difficult to do mm -hmm. in-person play testing. 
Um, have you guys looked at any kind of online play testing at all, like uh, through, uh, you know, tabletop simulator or anything like this or? Yeah, so we actually, so situations is on tabletop simulator already, oh, cool. um, which is kind of how we started play testing and getting interest for things. Um, but the next game, it's called Tessera. We just sort of got that. I, I've been in charge of that and I'm, I'm not really familiar with tabletop simulator well enough, but I think I've got it to a point that's play testable. And so, um, but yeah, Tabletopia is fantastic. Tabletop simulator is amazing. They're like for COVID it's, it's a lifesaver. Yeah, absolutely. Board game arena is another one, uh, but that one requires a lot more programming obviously than the other two, which are, uh, pretty much drag and drop. Right. So, yeah. So, so where are you guys going from here? Like, tell me about this new, can you talk about this new game you guys are working on or? Yeah. Yeah. So we're probably about, I, I'm going to be optimistic and say we're probably about 75% of the way done with um, our next one, uh, Tessera. And it's a tile laying kind of abstract light strategy game. The best way I have explained it to people is it's like an aggressive connect five. So every player has a color and you, you drop tiles out of the bag, kind of like you would scrabble, you kind of hide them for everybody. And the goal is to have as much of your color on the board as possible but not five in a row orthogonally or diagonally. Um, Cause as soon as there's five in a row of anyone's color, the game ends and that player gets the least amount of points. Oh, so boy. yeah, so it's, and it's played in a couple of rounds depending on the number of players playing. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one. That's also one of my, like my designs. So I'm really, <laughs> really excited about it. So how do you guys split that up as a team? Like how many games you guys have at any, like currently that you guys are working on? Uh, currently, I think we have, well, like three and a half. So we have Tessera, which is our tile game. Um, we use code names for everything. So like sure. Dra Dracula is one of the ones we call it because it's like a sort of Dracula themed game. Uh, and then we have, uh, I don't remember what they call it, but it's their, the new game Among Us. That's, or I guess it's not new, but people have been really psyching it out lately. Um, it's actually really similar to that. And it surprised me when I played Among Us and I was like, this is, this is the board game they're making. This is like, really similar um so oh secret infected is what they've been calling that one so typically we have uh it's really just whatever you know if someone has a game design idea and they want to work on it and they're not working on other projects then they kind of just start on it and see if anyone wants to help um we have an rpg in the works right now as well but wow. that one's like definitely going to take a long time because it's an rpg yeah so yeah it's it's really just a on basis of if you have something you know work on it have you guys focused predominantly on party style games or? No, we, so we're actually trying to go from uh, category to category. So situations being the party style game, we wanted to release Tessera next because it's more of a family um, strategy game. So it's really yep. light and it's a good transition. And then we'll move into, um, we have another game, the, the Secret Infected game is a little more like family, fun, but a little bit more strategy heavy than the last two. Uh, and that way we're, we kind of, people who are following us can kind of follow along without it being too much of a switch from game to game. So we're trying to get a good variety, but we're starting out just slow with that. And are you sharing with uh, the public or your fans kind of the process along the way? Like I know you guys have done some social media on uh, situations. Is that now branching into some of these other games you're working on or, or how are you guys pulling um, that audience along? Yeah, so we have a Discord channel. We've uh, been trying to get, you know, people who are 
who want to follow along with our games uh, involved there. And then also with our social media, we we haven't we kind of decided we haven't wanted to start posting about our projects until we get them to at least 50% or the art is finished um, or mostly finished because it's always fun to show off the art for games. Of course. Yeah. And then the rest of the team. So, um, you know, you've got the, the game shop and you've got, you know, several of your team members that are, that, that work there. Has that informed you guys? Have you found like the process? Has it given you the idea for certain mechanics you can combine for different games or, as it even on the flip side, have you guys say, wow, this game we're working on is too close to something we just came across. So we got to change it up or do something a little bit different. Like how has it really informed uh, your process? Yeah. So it's um, when I worked there, we used to do meetings, our work meetings, and we just play different board games because you can't really sell board games to people if you've never played them and you don't know anything about them. And that's actually kind of what got them started on wanting to do a publishing company and board game design because you know, you play games and you're like, oh man, this game would be, this game would be so cool if it did this instead, or if it had this style instead. And then it's just like everyone does when they want to, you know, start making board games. And um, yeah, it definitely has helped. I know the guys who have played a lot, it's a lot of, um, they'll, look, they'll play a game and be like, okay, this little aspect in this game, we need more of that in the board game world. Let's, let's take that and work on like putting that into something else. Yeah. Um, but so far, like it hasn't ever been, much of a problem with like too similar to other games which is good um so yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's amazing the number of uh, developers i've talked to um they almost all have the same genesis story which is you know what i played monopoly when i was a kid and I had house rules or i played risk and i had house rules or i played xyz mm-hmm. and i had my house rules and that kind of gave me the bug to want to you know create and start doing something of my own and trying to maybe fix games and that leads then into maybe creation of their own so um, oh, so yeah. if, if somebody wants to uh, follow you from here, so, you know, where would they go if they want to follow along with um, definitely not evil labs? Again, we're promising to everybody that you guys are not evil. Um, <laughs> how, how do they, how do they follow along? What, what's your, uh, your website and your, your social media channel where they can best reach you? Yeah. So our website is definitely not evil games.com. Um, we also have, Sorry, definitely not evil labs.com. We also have DE games, just shortened. It's a lot easier. It'll yeah. redirect there. Um, and we have an email newsletter we send out every like quarter, uh, kind of talking about our projects, kind of what's going on with our current like Kickstarter that's happening, any giveaways or anything of that sort we're doing on social media. Um, and you can find that on our Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash DE games. Oh, perfect. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure uh, learning about uh, your company and about this game. And I wish you guys all the best of success on your future iterations. You <laughs> Thanks, James. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.